0: Part two of my discussion of debut albums with Daniel here. This week we're going to wrap up what we were talking about before and then have some final notes and a little bit of a discussion of our honorable mentions.
1: One thing I wrote down about R.U. Experience that I thought was pretty interesting was that Jimi Hendrix was actually recommended to a record label somewhat early on Um, He was playing with a different group at this club, and apparently Keith Richards from the Rolling Stones' girlfriend was there at the club, and she heard him playing and was just mesmerized by him. And so she struck up a conversation with him and ended up introducing him to either, I think it was the manager or one of the executives of the record label that the Rolling Stones were attached to and they rejected him. Like really. Imagine they're
0: just saying no to possibly the best guitar player of yeah, all time. Yeah,
1: exactly. Man, hindsight is 2020. Imagine how that person feels now. <laughs>
0: like the biggest idiot who's ever lived. Oh man. Um we ready to go on to my number five? Let's hear it. All right. I'm I'm positive you have this one on your list and if you don't, that's okay. But I'm pretty sure you do. King Crimsons in the court of the Crimson King
1: that was one of my runner ups oh, actually i like i can understand i was really it. debating on that one
0: um that one um when it comes to progressive rock um they are a very hard group to talk about because um their rosters changing all the time like yeah. nothing's fluid um it's I think it'd be fair to say that our favorites are in the court of the Crimson King and, um, what's it in Larks of Aspect? Tongues of Larks in Asp. I Larks I
1: tongues in aspect Yeah, there you go. That was with the the other lineup, though. I believe yeah. that was the second one. Um,
0: but in the court of the Crimson King, starting out with, um, just an insane sound out of nowhere and it keeps that pace up um it slows it down it has a great um pace to the album it has times of ups and downs but um when it comes to progressive rock there aren't a whole lot better examples for me and my taste than in the quarterly crimson king
1: yeah i agree with that and that was like that was an album that I was really, really debating on and really considering that would have been another one that would have been like just right there at like the 11 spot Mm -hmm. practically because it's just such an amazing album and it's so rich, not only musically, but lyrically as well. Like
0: it's sometimes hard because of his vocal performance to be able to decipher some of his screaming, but, uh, true. Um, but in all fairness, it's, it is, it's, pretty lyrically dense.
1: Yeah, what I I think that it's just like it's so cool and and so trippy at the same time that it opens up with this just insanely heavy track that's basically almost like I don't even know how you'd describe it like like a warning or like foreshadowing about like what the 21st century might hold if the human race continues down the same path that it had, because I imagine, you know, living in the late 60s, a lot of those people were probably not super optimistic about the w- way that the direction that society and the culture was heading.
0: Well, yeah, we're talking With- about um Cold Wars brewing, a president about to be assassinated. We're talking about all kinds of crazy stuff that's on the cusp. Yeah. Of this time period.
1: A lot of the, the lyrics are very specific to like Vietnam and the things that were were going on then. But you listen and it's very trippy because it's like we're listening in that time and we're still facing the exact same problems that those people were facing when they recorded the song. So it, it's very cool in that way and both kind of depressing at yeah. the same time because it like... it kinda has has transcended the time period and it's like they were singing back then about, you know, what this dystopian twenty first century might look like and here we are.
0: <laughs> yeah. In a quarantine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so strange. Um yeah, there's I think it's it's amazing. Certain artists have a certain ability to look forward in time. Um, a couple of examples: Dostoevsky, Freud, um, and apparently King Crimson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, up there with the greats, huh?
1: Um, Epitaph is another amazing mm-hmm. song on that album. I love that song. for sure. I think that that's one of the songs that's a little bit underrated because that's another one that I I think that musically it's a very beautiful song, and I love how he takes what he originally sung at the beginning of the song and sings a similar line but takes it an octave higher so it starts off and the song is very like you know he's not really having to strain his voice at all he's singing in a very comfortable range for him and then as the song picks up they go into that last verse and he really has to like belt it and Greg Lake is just such an amazing singer too so it, that that part of the song gives me chills every time mm. that I hear it. And that's another song that's super relevant to today as well. You know, like one of my favorite anti-war songs that have, has ever been written.
0: Absolutely. Along with um, uh, Luke's Wall, for sure. War yeah.
1: Pigs. Yeah, it's hard to beat War Pigs.
0: Oh man, hearing those sirens live was so cool. <laughs> um your sixth or is that your sixth? So, Oh no, that was mine.
1: Yeah. That's right. So my sixth technically would have been Led Zeppelin one, but we already talked about that. And then my seventh was black Sabbath, black Sabbath. All we already right. We talked about that. Um, so my new one is electric light orchestra. No answer.
0: 1972. That was one of my close ones, dude. Um, it's ELO is such an amazing band. I love, I love time. I love El Dorado. Out of the Blue is pretty cool, but it's not my favorite. Um, but man, their music is just so good. It's so polished. They know what mm-hmm. they're doing. Um, Jeff Lynne, that's the yeah. um, main guy in that, right? Mm-hmm. Um Incredible performances. Um, You got to see him live, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I was able to see them uh, last year with my uncle. That's so neat. Pretty awesome experience. He's still killing it. Like, you know, when, when we saw Black Sabbath, like, Ozzy he got the job done but he was was he was struggling (laughs) like yeah he was having a hard time Tony Iommi was kind of like carrying the band on his shoulders oh and that drummer and the yeah the drummer for sure that guy was insane
0: he was just this young guy no shirt long dark hair pretty ripped too if I remember right just pouring in sweat because this dude's going ham and I mean ham Oh man! It's
1: one of the only times that my attention has been completely kept over a drum solo. Oh, and it was like sure. a ten-minute drum solo. It was solo long. Too. <laughs> yeah. But um. That ELO. Yeah, I, I had to put no answer on my list because this is another case where th- I I wouldn't even put no answer as close to being my number one ELO album, but it very much shows the direction that they wanted to head in. I think that they, they kind of figured out their sound kind of early on where I I think that um, Jeff Lynn had a pretty clear vision of how he wanted to incorporate less traditional instruments into kind of like a, a rock sound. And you can definitely hear it in, in the first album. And one thing I read about that I thought was pretty interesting as I was kind of researching for this podcast was that I knew that Jeff Lynn was inspired by the Beatles, but I I didn't understand like to the extent that he was. Um, In an interview, he said that like their original idea for the band was to quote, pick up where the Beatles left off. Hmm. And I thought that that was just so interesting because you can kind of hear it. I mean, Granted, the, the Beatles never really incorporated too much of like an orchestra element to their yeah. songs, but there was definitely that influence was there for sure, because they did tend to, uh, especially, you know, obviously later on after Sergeant Pepper's and that whole period in time, like after Revolver and stuff like that, they were kind of heading in a similar direction where they were like taking... More traditional like rock structures of songs and adding on way more instrumentation and things that yeah. you wouldn't normally expect.
0: Yeah, they're and adding guitars the, to their music. Yeah. They're adding all kinds of woodwinds and interesting percussion. Like they were really experimenting a lot, which um, is what I love about ELO. Is their orchestral rock done right, in my opinion? Yeah, hundred um, percent. It's um, and this is the hottest take I've made on this podcast yet. But um, they are orchestral rock done right. And the fact that Queen is in that same category, some people put them in that category, is a disservice to ELO. Because <laughs> ELO is, they're in their own league. Queen, if you're a Queen fan, cool. Uh, I just don't get it. You're I gonna don't get, see you're it. You're going to get flame for that one. <laughs> I'm totally fine with that. Um, I'm not going to judge you for liking Queen. Actually, scratch that. I will judge you for liking Queen. Um, but, uh, it's, it's hard to be able to talk about orchestral rock without talking about ELO because they do it right and they do it justice.
1: Yeah. I, I think that Jeff Lynne did an, an amazing job throughout his career of like making each song and each album very epic and mm. huge, without it being like overkill. Where it, yeah. it kind of sounds like they're they're trying too hard, or like almost going into like musical theater. You know,
0: no, for sure. Um, I really respect that about them. Their music—it seems like it comes to them so easy. Like it seems like they practice to the point where like their performances just seem natural, um, especially on time. Um, Like you see this more and more as they're becoming a little bit more refined, but man, they are some incredible musicians. That cannot be overstated. Absolutely. For sure. Um, My next one, I really, I really hope um, that people listen to this record because I feel it is probably one of the most important records to listen to and to appreciate. And this is uh, what I referred to earlier as my exemption of um, what's great about debut albums or great debut albums do this, which is point toward where this musician is going to go forward. I'm talking about Jeff Buckley's Grace. Mm. And unfortunately it was the only finished project that he was able to make before his untimely death but there are some recordings um but this album is incredible he is the son of tim buckley which was already an established and amazing lyricist and um vocalist and jeff buckley is much the same if not even better than tim his father um his performance of hallelujah is my favorite by far um, he's got a bunch of amazing amazing songs on this album. Um, Mojo pin is one of my favorites um, lilac wine mm. um, sorry I think it's alligator wine regardless man is this album amazing um, he his vocal performances are uncontested. Um, this album came out in the 90s. Um, where a lot of bands were becoming more vocal center. Um, They're becoming less guitar and more vocalist um, as time has gone on because it's become more about the people than the music. Um, Or at least that balance has shifted a little bit as we've become more closely um, entangled with um, people with celebrity status and knowing more about them and stuff. Um, But Jeff Buckley, I can't talk about this album enough. Um, I'm pretty sure Brad Pitt said that um, upon hearing this album, he felt like this was the most important album to come out of the 90s, which that is a tall order. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But I love this album. I love this album.
1: Yeah, it's an amazing album for sure. It's almost like... It's almost somewhat fitting that Jeff Buckley would pass away before he could produce any more works because... And the fact that the album was called Grace Mm. as well, because he really graced this earth with those songs that he produced. Like, you listen to... And obviously, Hallelujah is the kind of trite song from the album that everybody tends to know. Yeah. But it doesn't take
0: away from how amazing it is though.
1: No, not at all. And like, if you, I encourage everybody to put on some good headphones and I mean, listen to all of the albums that we talked about for sure. But like you put on some, some good headphones and kind of clear your mind of any preconceived expectations that you have. And give that song a listen and you're gonna you're gonna feel something i can guarantee you that like even with how many times i've heard that song it's hard to listen to it and not get choked up because honestly his his, performance
0: is so vulnerable it's so powerful it's incredible it is there's no better word than to say it's just it's so incredible yeah
1: and he's one of the Definitely in my, my top favorite vocalists of all time.
0: Absolutely. Because
1: he had a way of doing that. Like his voice is so powerful, but he's also so unafraid to be very, very vulnerable mm-hmm. and let all of that. the nuances in his voice come yeah. out. And that's what just gives him such an amazing sound, such an
0: amazing tenor. It's... um it is a shame that um, we only have bits and pieces of his following record, but um, the fact that we have this alone is enough. It's more than enough. Yeah, um,
1: I think that that's what I was what I was trying to say earlier. like even you know, ima- I-, I can't imagine the music that he would have gone on to produce had he not been tragically taken from us early but that being said like the fact that he even gave us this album at all is is a very very beautiful thing and mm. and that's all that we needed i think you much know? agreed
0: um we're going to try to keep uh keep moving here but that this album it's if you've only heard hallelujah, you're doing yourself a disservice because you need to hear what also he can do. Um but hallelujah, of course, give it a re-listen. Try to, as Daniel said, um go in with a clear head. Don't don't go in um trying to sing along. Clear your mind and really really try to give it a listen. Hmm. Listen to him. Listen to the music. Um, who's your Eighth, right? Uh, I think this
1: is technically nine on my list because mm. you had so many of mine. Already. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think this is on your list as well, but my ninth is Boston.
0: That one is one that didn't make the cut. Did not. Make Did the not. Cut? I know. Wow. I changed it at the last minute. Wow. I know. Because I had to. I had to put something else on because. I every other album on this list is rock. So I had to put something else on one of my favorite debut albums. Um I was just like, screw it. I'm I'm putting all rock on here. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, also you thought it was only sixties and seventies, so what other option did you have? Very true. Um But yeah, Boston Boston. We talked about it a little bit. Um this album is nuts.
1: <laughs> There's no other
0: way to put it,
1: really. I mean I want you to imagine yourself in 1976. You're on your way to work, maybe on your way to school and you turn on the radio and you hear more than a feeling for the first time. And that would have been the experience of people that were just buying the album as well, because that's the, the title track on it. The first song that you'll hear. And I mean, it's such a great introduction into the album because I think a lot of people kind of discredit Boston because it, it's kind of dad rock, you know. And yeah, but
0: screw those people. Yeah, and <laughs> I,
1: you know, some of their songs on that album I think are more so than others because they were they were in that like that time period where some of the songs, it didn't all necessarily have to be deep stuff. Like, you know, they have a few songs on there where it's just like, we're playing some great music and we're just like singing about having a good time with your friends, Yeah, you know, like smoking, like stuff like that. You know, it's, that's the stuff I think that people tend to like more think of as dad rock. But I think that that kind of gives them a disservice as well, because lyrically, That entire album is amazing. More Than a Feeling, Peace of Mind, Hitch a Ride, those are all such lyrically rich songs, as well as they are instrumentally. And something that's really amazing about Boston was that it was recorded basically entirely by one person in his basement. He originally... Back
0: when this was not a normality... Yeah, we're not living in the 2010s where we have Tame Paulas that that's possible. We're talking about a dude who's making his own instruments to be able to make the sound that he wanted on his album.
1: Yeah, no, Tom Schultz was he was something special. I don't even know how else to describe it. He was um, he had a master's degree in electrical engineering, and he created a basement studio for himself. And a lot, the majority, actually, of the instrumentation and the vocals and everything that you hear on that first album was recorded on an 8-track in his basement.
0: Which is so incredible.
1: It's amazing because the sound quality is pristine. Like, even today, it holds up so well. It does.
0: It's a wonderful, wonderful listen.
1: And uh, what I when I was doing my research, I found that The record company, when he initially gave them the demo tapes, they wanted him to re-record it using an actual studio, and he just straight up said no. I completely agree with him. Like, that shows that this man knew exactly what he wanted. That's right. He knew exactly what he wanted to put down to tape, and he had the balls to trust nobody else except for himself to do it right. Yeah. And I can't even express how much that I respect that. That, um,
0: that is so refreshing. Like, it's such a great story to be able to tell. Um, Music aside, what a neat guy that is to be able to go to people that you want something from, and when they give you a stipulation, you say no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But to be fair, like, you already have a pristine product. Like why waste money redoing everything when the dude is just like, hey, cut this to tape. Just like send it out there. Um that's nuts.
1: Yeah, no. That and that just shows the genius of Tom Schultz. Absolutely. Something else that's pretty incredible about him was he created a headphone guitar amp in nineteen eighty-two. Really? After, yeah, after the album was released, he did a lot of experimentation with this brand that he created called Rockman, where they were making different guitar effects. And one of the things that they produced was this box that you could literally just clip onto your belt or like have on the floor or whatever. It's probably um, the pictures that I saw of it, it was kind of hard to tell like how big it actually was, but it looked like about the size of maybe like a book, like a medium sized Mm -hmm. book. But it was a full guitar amp with different settings on it. There was a clean channel. There was a distorted channel. And the whole idea was giving new and intermediate guitar players the opportunity to mess around and play with the sound of Boston, like that That's super so cool. epic lead sound. And it, it was huge. My my dad still talks about to this day like how he had one and how
0: great it sounded and everything and which and quick side note shout out to our dads who were into all this music and were able to put us on to a lot of this music growing up very true um, your dad um super musically inclined obviously um not obviously to people listening but um and then my dad is just um, a sponge when it comes to anything that's informational at all so um
1: <laughs> yeah and something that shows just how groundbreaking and amazing that album was and some of the songs off of that album. Um, I'd mentioned this to you before, but obviously the podcast listeners don't don't know this. My dad remembers exactly where he was when he heard More Than a Feeling for the first time because it was such a transcendent, and memorable experience for him that it has stood out in his mind ever since. Wow. And what's really incredible about that too is he told me he was listening on, on just an, an old radio, you know, it's not like he's listening through some tube spout powered speakers or something like that. He remembers he was at, um, he was, at a friend's house and swimming in someone's pool and they had the radio on and they were listening to it and more than a feeling came on. And he was just so blown away by the sound of it. And I mean, that's just a, an, another thing that can attest for Tom Schultz's genius is that you, you listen to this album on any medium, whether it's a nice pair of headphones, car speakers, or just a Your phone crappy speaker. phone speaker, yep. and it's going to
0: sound good no it's true it's um i would say it's probably the most consumable out of the albums that we've listed like a lot of the albums that we've listed are kind of hard to get into like king crimson that album is not for everyone yeah Um, sure. jeff buckley is more so on the just about anyone can appreciate this but black sabbath um van halen especially developed underground like these albums aren't for everyone. You're not all going to love everything about them, but there is a little bit for everyone in them.
1: Yeah. And this would for sure be another album where I would really encourage people to sit down, allocate some time where you have nothing else to do besides just listening and to clear your mind of any preconceived expectations of it. Because I think that because of the the generation that Boston influenced and you know the fact that these were our parents jams mm-hmm. when they were growing up you know a lot of people kind of tend to write it off as thinking that you know it's it's outdated or it's dad rock or oh, whatever it's just,
0: they're just old radio hits or yeah. oh you just hear them in old movies or whatever like no these are amazing pieces of art
1: yeah because if you if you really take the time to like listen and to hear the lyrics that Tom Schultz wrote, it'll give give you a new perspective on the album. Like that that actually was something that happened to me somewhat recently, and was the fact like the reason why it made it onto my list was that um I had grown up listening to that album because my my dad was such a, a huge fan of it. So I, I've always loved it, of course, but just recently I took the time to like really sit down and and listen, listen to it again. And not only to just hear all of the beautiful instrumentation and everything that's happening, but to really listen to the lyrics as well. And so many of the songs just resonated with me in Mm. a new way that they never had before. Like even more than a feeling, which is a song that, you know, kind of everybody knows, like the lyrics of it are just hold such a special place in my heart because it's like, it's this transcendent, beautiful song about the transcendent and beautiful feeling that music can give someone. You know, like, if you listen to the lyrics, it's, it's basically about, like, hearing a song and being just taken back so vividly to a place in time where you were experiencing emotion and basically, like, going through that all over again. You know, like, it's more than a feeling. Like, you're basically reliving that experience hmm. through
0: music absolutely no I totally agree um, it's it's hard to understate um, Boston because of how prolific they are um, and especially um, Tom Schultz but um, it's Tom right mm-hmm. it's not yeah. him there's so many it's it's hard for me I'm not great with um, names of musicians I'm much better with the uh, um, actors' names, but there's just something about musician names that I can never remember. Um, my next one um, isn't going to be a surprise to anyone who listened to the last episode, because it's Steely Dan's Camp I Thrill. <laughs>
1: so, that was a close contender for me. Mm,
0: so I, I don't want to talk about it too much. We talk for like an hour and 15 minutes about Steely Dan. I was
1: going to say, this is very rapidly going to become the Steely Dan podcast. Yeah, it
0: really will be. Um, I can't have Justin on here a whole lot (laughs) because it's going to rapidly become the the Steely Dan podcast, the um, bad movie podcast. Um, But uh, yeah, if you want to listen to what me and my buddy Justin, who are both huge Steely Dan fans, talk about Steely Dan for an absurd amount of time. Go check out the last episode. <laughs> um
1: It is a great album though.
0: It really is. It's um it's my
1: favorite Steely Dan album.
0: Is it? Yep. I can respect that. It's got reeling really in the years. It's got dirty work. Um that's it's still like some of their most famous songs and to be fair, a lot of these artists their most famous songs are on their first album. Yeah. Because that's true. They're already amazing artists, and to have 15 years to come out with a first album, there's a good chance that one of your best songs ever is going to be on it. Um, what's your ninth, buddy, or tenth?
1: Uh, yeah, so this is my my tenth. All right. Up up. This was a, a tough one. Um, I debated back and forth a lot between whether I wanted to include this one in the list, but it might kind of take you by surprise. My 10th is Dire Straits, and Dire Straits' debut album, which really? was 1978.
0: Um, that is not an artist that I've given enough full listen to um, to give any sort of opinion on. Um, I don't know anything about it. Um,
1: it's. I mean, I'll, I'll like really briefly kind of run through it. Um, obviously, you know Sultans of Swing, for oh, sure. Oh, that's them? Yeah, that's them. Okay. Um, and that was, "Sultans of Swing" was on that album, as well as amazing tracks. Um, "Tunnel of Love," I believe, is what it's it's called. That's one of my favorite songs on there. Is "Water tu- of Love." "Water of Love." That's yeah. what it is. I was like, "Is it tunnel or water?" Um I think that's probably if my
0: you second favorite with, uh, with a carnival ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um. But the reason I decided to include this on my list was I think I'm, I'm very inspired by Mark Knopfler's style of guitar playing. Um, He has a very interesting technique that he does where he finger picks everything and he kind of does this like claw shape almost thing with his hand and it's able to give him sounds that you don't really hear with other artists where Mm. when he's just playing, he has like this very spanky cool sound, but then he's also able to do a lot of licks and riffs that wouldn't be possible unless he was doing that finger picking. Like, um, Sultans of swing is a great example with the, the famous guitar solo at the end that, that lick that, that he ends the song with. He's basically doing complete two completely separate things with two of his, his picking fingers. And this is another band that is amazing live as Mm. well. Um, highly recommend obviously their first album, but if you get the chance to check out sultans of swing live, um, I think the, the performance that they have on an album is from 1982 and it's so cool to see because
0: 84 alchemy,
1: 84. Yep. Alchemy. Um, Mark Knopfler was just so good at like expanding on the concepts that he already had. Like They're one of those bands where they're, they're almost better live because he takes all of the, the solos and guitar work that he would do on the albums and from just how much that they had played together and practiced them and performed them live, he just continually expanded on it. Mm. So Sultans of Swing goes from an already amazing solo to this 4 minute just epic thing where he's like getting the crowd involved wow. it is insane
0: which to be fair I'm looking at right now that song is already recorded on the first time a 5 minute and 50 second song that's no yeah. small song
1: yeah on alchemy i believe it's 10 minutes <laughs> yeah and it's so cool um to watch the way that he can manipulate the crowd with his guitar playing as well like obviously this isn't so much about the the first album, um, what I'm saying right now. But I think that they were another band where I, I appreciate them just overall as a whole. And their first album was just kind of like the, the bridging gap where it kind of established their sound. Mm. Um, but you watch them live and once they get to the solo, they completely cut out except for a piano that's playing the, the chords. And the crowd claps along, and they don't stop throughout the entire four minutes. so so cool, which is the coolest thing that I've ever seen, like as a, a performing artist, especially like trying to get a crowd to clap along for any period of time yeah. that is longer than thirty seconds. no really is the <laughs> hardest thing Realistically, that you ever do. like you get
0: fifteen to twenty good seconds, and then it's like it's just that awkward, who was it? Um, Tom Brady clap. You know what I'm talking about where he's like looking like he's washing his hands. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh man. Um, but yeah, I'm going to have to give that more of a listen. I know, um, I was looking at their list. I know some of their hits, but, um, Dire Straits is an artist that has kind of flown under my radar. Yeah. I, um, I would
1: check them out for sure. I, definitely. I dig them a lot too because, um, they're not so much traditional rock. Um, they would, de- they could definitely be considered rock, but they have a lot more influences mm. in there. You can tell they're inspired by everything from blues to jazz to folk. Oh, you and got it kinda, me right there.
0: Those are my big three.
1: Yeah, it's definitely worth a listen.
0: All right, I will. Um, my last one on my list is my only... And arguably only um, non-rock album on my list. And it's MF Doom and Mad Villains of Mad Villainy.
1: Um, <laughs> well, this is going to be my album that I'm not going to be able to say very much about. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it's kind of kind of cool that we got this back-to-back. So it is... um, It's arguably the best and most important underground hip-hop album of all time. Um, it's the... Um, project of MF Doom and Mad Villain. Um, the guy who's behind the project of MF Doom. Um, MF Doom is only one person. Um, but he had been in some groups before. But this is his first album as, um, as MF Doom. And his rhyming, his lyricism, his speed, and his clarity are unmatched in his era. And even today it is hard for me to listen to an East Coast rapper and think that um, they have anything on MF Doom. Mm-hmm. And this is possibly his uh, magnum opus, which is amazing because it's his first album um, on this project. Um, but this, it's really hard to talk about MF Doom because he is such an odd guy. Um for example, he doesn't do his live shows. Like if you see an MF Doom show, it's not him. It's one of his buddies wearing his mask.
1: Interesting. Yeah.
0: So, um, but that's the whole thing. It's MF Doom. It's a character. He um, is super comic book influence. A lot of his stuff is about how he's a super villain.
1: I remember um, you mentioning that to me. Before.
0: Yeah. Um, which is really quite unique um there is a artist that has come out recently called Zarface which has one of the members of Wu-Tang Clan on it and they kind of took up that mantle of the whole comic book inspired music since and um interestingly enough MF Doom was able to do a project with them fairly recently it's called Zarface Zarface meets face and it's incredible if you like hip hop if you like east coast rap um, it's definitely worth a listen um, obviously. It's explicit as hell. <laughs> so and he talks disclaimer. about some some pretty brutal stuff, but um, it's what you expect of of a New Yorker. I think he's from Brooklyn. Um, it's nuts if um, there's all kinds of and this is one of people's favorite things to do. you can look on YouTube anywhere on this album Mad Villainy, um, there will be certain songs, uh, for example, Meat Grinder and Accordion. I know are probably the, the most popular ones, but um, they will have all the lyrics out, and then they'll be colored for all the rhymes that are together. Hmm. And it's like there is no word that is not colored. Every single word in the sentence rhymes with either within the sentence or in the next sentence. It's absurd. I'll show you. A, wow. I'll show you a video once the the podcast ends, but. Um, he's so talented. Um, he actually has a a music production, um, seminar, I guess he was out in, I think, um, Stockholm, Sweden. It was sponsored by Red Bull and he just talks about his production podcast, uh, not process, not podcast. He's he's
1: starting a podcast. Yeah. He's starting a podcast. It's actually
0: not really him. It's just one of his friends talking about it. (laughs) Um, no, he's a super oddball guy music's amazing. Um, even if you don't like hip hop all that much, if you're just like, Oh, I, I like some biggie songs, oh, I like I like a little <laughs> Tupac. Um, check him out. Sounds you may, like me. You may be surprised. Um, but he will surprise you because he's he's incredible and some of his rhymes are just so absurd and funny, which I feel like is the hallmark of a lot of my favorite um hip-hop artists and rappers. Um but yeah, um there are quite a few albums that I wish I was able to put on this list, but just came short. Yeah, Agreed. Um,
1: I he'll definitely have to be my my artist that I'll have to spend a little bit more time delving into. I'm just I don't generally like seek out too much hip-hop mm-hmm. and rap. Um I respect the genre a lot and I I like to listen to the genre, but it's just not one that I will like typically like stay updated with all of the new things totally that, fair. Are, that are you happening. You can't expect in it. it to be for everyone. Um, But I, I remember you have shown me some of his stuff before and he, he's like his lyrical speed while still maintaining his like clarity mm-hmm. where you could hear what he was saying really stood out to me for sure.
0: Absolutely. Um, do you have any honorable mentions you want to quickly touch on or do we go through those? Yeah. A meta? lot of
1: my honorable mentions you actually had on your list, like King Crimson, um, and Van Halen were mm. two of the ones that I was like really, really debating whether or not they were going to be on my list or not. If um, you
0: had had access to of all time, would have Jeff Buckley's grace been on your list?
1: Mm. Hmm. It for sure would have been at least in the honorable mentions. Yeah. It would have been in the contention, I would I say. Because I do love that album. That album is like nothing but just amazing vibes for Absolutely. me. Um
0: But I can so totally it would understand be a contender. It because we're talking about seventy years of music here, it's kinda hard to Yeah, we'll have to
1: redo this podcast where I have access to the the (laughs) 80s and beyond. (laughs) And then I'll be limited
0: to to the 60s and 70s. Um, I just have a few ones I want to touch on. Kanye West Graduation. Um, Incredible. Kanye's Crazy. Um, And Graduation is a great start. Um, Biggie's Ready to Die. Um, it's kind of a cheap answer because he has a whole lot of projects, but he only has two studio records. Um, I was really tempted to put MGMT's "Oracular Spectacular on here. Mm, That's a great album. Um, Bon Iver's For Emma Forever Ago was also a contender. Um, less so was Fleet Fox's, their self-titled album and their debut. Um, but the Cars debut, the police's that was
1: debut one that i was thinking about as mm, well cars the cars because yeah. i believe that's 78 or 79 that sounds I about right
0: correctly um but the police's outlandos d'more pearl jams 10 i was thinking about that um i know hayden loves that album <laughs> um i was thinking about nirvana's bleach that's their debut hmm. um but i'm not a big Kurt Cobain guy i'll be honest
1: Yeah, neither am i i i respect nirvana um and a lot of the things that they did to kind of push forward the punk and alternative sound, but mm-hmm. their music has just never really particularly spoken to me, I guess.
0: No, I, I totally get that. Cause I'm in the same boat. Um, but I, they were potentially contender just because of how much they changed the music industry. Yeah. For um, sure. and then finally the Eagles, mm. their self titled album. Um, that was cl- that choice. was close, but um, and to the dismay of all my friends, I'm not as big of an Eagles fan as the rest of them are. <laughs> you, Justin, and Hayden are all big Eagles fans, but um, it's just not for me right now. I'll probably grow into it eventually, but <laughs> but who knows? As my music taste is changing,
1: <laughs> it's like how parents always say that you'll get more conservative. As you get older, you'll it's become true. more of an Eagles fan. As you get older, it's true. As my
0: um, over the last four years, my music taste has slowed down so much. Like Daniel remembers, back in when I was like eighteen and nineteen, I was going to raves and I was all into EDM music and dubstep and trap and stuff—really cringy <laughs> stuff. Um, no offense, but uh, just not for me anymore. My music taste is really mellowed out to the point that like my music taste might very well be one of the most mellow of the Frank group, definitely more than Hayden, um, except that yeah, he listens to a lot of reggae.
1: It's between me and you, I would yeah, say. Yeah, I would for say like so. The most mellow
0: Absolutely. kind of music taste. Which is why I wanted to talk about this with someone that had a fairly similar taste as me. Um, but last thing to wrap up with, I looked up the top three highest grossing debut albums of all time. And I wouldn't have picked any of them. I would have never even Mm. thought of them as being the highest of all time. Um, But one of them sold 25 million copies and the other two sold 30 million copies. Do you have any idea of what they might be? (sighs) Of all time? Um, One's an alternative band, one's a pop singer, female. And one is a um, rock band. But none of these have been listed on the list, on either of our lists. A female singer. Yep. I want to say Taylor Swift. Mm -mm,
1: 90s. 90s? 90s. 90s, early 2000s. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. She's known
0: for a lot of controversy. Is it Miley Cyrus? Mm-mm. No, <laughs> a little earlier.
1: That's right. Miley Cyrus was later on, huh? Yeah, I don't know my '90s that well. I was gonna for the alternative one. I was gonna guess Nirvana, mm. but I don't. I don't it's think not that's quite, right. No,
0: um, it's Britney Spears, bro. Britney oh, Spears. Okay. Maybe one more time. 20, <laughs> 25 million copies. That is insane. Um, it's a great album. <laughs> yes, yeah, phenomenal. You should check that one out. Um, then we have Lincoln Parks. Okay, hybrid uh, theory. That, ma- that
1: does make a lot of sense. Yeah, I would like. I would think it would be a band like that, Or yeah. it would be like either, a Green Day. I was a- gonna say Green Day. That's why I said Nirvana was because like, Nirvana was kind of around the time period where that kind of style of music was entering Super into the mainstream. Yeah. yeah,
0: like the we haven't seen numbers like this ever popular. Um, and then tied with it is Guns N' Roses' debut album, hmm. Appetite for Destruction. Wow. Which I would have never expected. I didn't know that they were that popular. I thought Guns they were Guns N' Roses is huge. Like, um, I feel like they are perpetuated by their great logo, more than anything. I feel <laughs> like it seems kind of bad, but their logo is so good. Yeah, it. it it's very merchandisable.
1: True. A lot of people probably do know them for that more. Kind of how like you see a lot of people with the Prism Rainbow Design that yeah, have from, never like, heard Dark Floyd. Side of the Moon before. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: unfortunate. Um but they also have great songs that like have potential that are um like, for licensing, like, they have Welcome to the Jungle. Like, yeah, that's one of the most ultimate, like, cash grab songs. Like, and I'm sure it wasn't intended to be, but it's ended up being, I'm sure, incredibly profitable to them.
1: Yeah. That song has basically become, like, the standard for a blockbuster action movie trailer. No, it's like, <laughs> like, okay,
0: things are getting serious, and then Welcome to the Jungle starts playing. <laughs> Exactly.
1: Any kind of movie where it's like, like an action movie, but it's like not super serious. it yeah. has that in the trailer.
0: <laughs> yeah, or the the serious ones, but they aren't like they're a B rated or they're not that high budget, um, or they're not self aware enough. Be
1: expensive to license that song. That's though.
0: true. If um, if anyone has any money that they're willing to give us, so we can license putting the, at the end of this podcast. <laughs> Um guys of roses that'd be phenomenal, but I'm sure that runs for tens of thousands of dollars, if not more
1: yeah that can be the first patreon goal that yeah you
0: set up um actually, it's funny since you brought since I brought that up um I'm not planning on doing any sort of fundraising for anything like that. The only reason why I would ever raise funds is for a particular goal like um getting new equipment or hiring people to help me. Um, that would be the only reason why I would ever do any sort of fundraising goal. And I would have 100% clarity when it comes to receipts and stuff. Yeah. Um, I'm just doing this because I like it. I'm just talking to my friends. We're just talking about the things we love and talk about why we love it. Um, I mean, of course it'd be neat Hell if yeah, I man. could make this a long-term thing, but I'm just doing this because it's fun. And I'm just enjoying talking to my friends.
1: Yeah, that's the attitude that you have to take. Yeah. For sure. That's kind of like the realization that I had to face with my music was just like, I had to accept that it's a very real possibility that it won't ever be able to be some kind of like full-time thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm okay with that, you know, because I, I know that, I'm going to be writing and doing music for the rest of my life. So if something happens, it happens, you know.
0: Oh man, I totally we totally missed an opportunity to plug your um, your EP as a <laughs> like oh like most slept on debut. Imagine <laughs> if that was
1: on my list. Yeah, uh, I my favorite debut album of all Ever. time yeah. is myself. My meme. Um,
0: <laughs> I did all the instruments, I did all the singing, no. Um, For real, though, I do want to shout out Daniel and his band, The Color Society. I'll put their details in the description box below. Um, Their debut is amazing. Um, We'll have to have you back, you and the boys back, for an episode. We'll just talk about some stuff and um, hopefully promote your album to a couple more people that... um, Probably wouldn't have heard it otherwise, which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, sounds great, man. Yeah, so whenever you guys are releasing new stuff, let me know, and we'll totally have a, have an episode talking about whatever, music, movies, books, poems, whatever. It's coming. It's coming.
1: We're in the works right now, so hopefully soon.
0: Awesome. Well, bro, it's been a pleasure. Um, Always a pleasure, my friend. It's been it, – I this might be my favorite one so far. Um, I do have a fair number of planned shows, um, that are in the works, but I could not stand waiting to do this one because I so wanted to do it. I just wanted to know what your list was. (laughs) Um, we didn't talk about our lists ahead of time. Yeah, this was Um, all blind. This was all blind. I wanted like a genuine sort of reaction. Um, and for us to be able to put some stuff that, um, maybe the other person forgot or, um, then have great discussions on the air while we're talking about why we chose one or the other but thanks buddy love having you
1: yeah thank you man i'd love to come back sometime i'd love to like i said you should do an episode with some of the other members of the gang or maybe we could do a group episode sometime yeah that'd be wild Everybody on that'd be
0: awesome we' would love to yeah nate if you listen to this shane buddy you want to come on <laughs> text me uh a topic or maybe you can pick, I'll send you uh, a couple that I think are pretty neat. And then, uh, let's talk. Well, thanks for having me, man. Thank you. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been a long one. Um, we may actually have to cut this one in two pieces because no one's probably going to listen to a two hour long podcast. Um, and oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, Harrison for this, but, uh, buddy, take care of yourself. All of you, uh, Listen to some good music. Um, We may not have touched on the things that you like the most, but these are the ones that we do. If you haven't heard of anything, maybe give it a shot. Um, If you like it, cool. Um, I always love bringing new information and new music and art to people's minds so that um, maybe they can have as much joy out of it that I have had. All right, everybody, take care. Bye, buddy. Bye.